Today we are in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2, and I invite you to read along with me after we have a moment of prayer. Our Father and our God, our, our hearts are just thrilled to see our students, our children, the adult choir, the musical we had last Sunday evening, to remind us, Lord, how awesome and how, how awesome and how wonderful this Christmas season is. But we're also reminded, Lord, that a king is in a cradle because there was no room. And then there were disasters from world powers that had to be dealt with. There was a lot of change. There was a lot of uncertainty when the Christ child came. Lord, put us back in that Christmas story and remind us of the hope that we have in King Jesus who came here to a cradle. Bless the message today. Bless the reading of your word. Lord, may we truly hear a fresh word from the Lord this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I'm going to read, and you follow along if you will, from Matthew's Gospel, verses 1 to 3, and then verses uh, 16 to 23. Because in this narrative we're going to study, uh, those are some of the beginning, those are kind of the bookend passages of Scripture. So instead of reading a whole chapter, we'll just read these portions. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we see his star, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Folks, when the king was troubled, everybody was troubled. Herod was appointed to his position by the emperor of Rome. And Herod was a dictator, a ruthless dictator. He was the kind of dictator that would kill his own family members if he thought they were any kind of threat to him. And so when the passage says the king was disturbed and so were the people, that's what that meant. They were always disturbed, but when he got upset, that anxiety passed down to the, the poorest of the poor. Verse 16 says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which the Magi had determined. The... Um, Research that I read this week about Bethlehem said that this is a town of about a thousand people. And so you figure maybe 20 families lost a son. All the male children. Hard to imagine at Christmas, the coming of the Christ, people paid a price. Kind of hard to figure out, isn't it? And so we go on in our passage of reading. Verse 17. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted 
because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And then after being warned by God in a dream, he left the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. That was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Today, as we consider this king that's in a cradle and the future that he is going to live out, we are reminded of several things. And there are really two points I want to share with you about this message today that will kind of guide us along as we work through this chapter. First of all, the king in the cradle invites the world to discover who is in that cradle, to discover Jesus. There are all kinds of people in this narrative in the birth of our Lord that are discovering Jesus. I want to name three types of people. One of the curious people kind of like the Magi who came from the East. The Magi were some kind of astrologers. They were watching the stars always. And because of the gifts that they gave, they represented wealth, they represented power. We're not sure what country they were from, but Orient for sure, because they were from the East. And we would call these curious people, because they saw his star, They knew that something special was going on and they wanted to see where it led them. And so they came in the region of Judea. Even today, there are curious people about Jesus. They want to know, who is Jesus really? Was Jesus a lunatic who was out of his mind? Was Jesus a real person? Was Jesus really who he said he was? the Son of God, come down from heaven. We might call these people seekers. They are seeking for truth. Just like the Magi, who thought they were finding truth in the stars. A lot of people today, because we have such a a revolving and unchanging world. Now folks, the world we live in right now is changing more rapidly than ever before. This is creating anxiety in our times. We're not only dealing with the change of COVID and how to get along and how to live with each other. Uh, we're also having to change, uh, deal with the changes of technology. It really, frustra- it really frustrates me when I've got my Microsoft computer that I just bought, and it has Microsoft 9 or 10 on it, and they said, you can't wait. Uh, in just a month or two, Microsoft 11 is going to come out. I'm like, please, no. I haven't even learned Microsoft 10 yet. And, and I'm really not excited when some new technology comes out because I haven't mastered the first one. And I don't know if it's because I'm old. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge to keep up. And someone said, If you're a senior adult and you don't have a computer, you're going to be left behind 
in the world to come. And that is sad. That is really, really sad. Computers and technology, I believe, is the mark of the beast. Remember the days, I was back in the 70s, they predicted the mark of the beast, that there would be literally 666 wrote on your forehead. And uh, we had all kinds of uh, world powers, powerful people whose letters and their name, they would add up to 666. And so when pastors preached uh, about the return of Christ in Revelation 666, they had some person in mind, somebody in Russia, somebody in the Vietnam War, and all of that. And then today, uh, people said, the mark of the beast is that credit card you've got, and it's got a chip in it. And you can't do business unless you have this mark of the beast. And we are seeing, um, in fact, in Louisville, I saw it advertised last night, uh, you can't get into the, the lights under Louisville there at the zoo, near, or near the zoo where the, that cave is and see all the Christmas lights. They don't take cash. And uh, you go to China, they don't take cash. It's all credit cards. And you think it's the mark of the beast. But I figured out what the mark of the beast is. When my son was in the hospital in uh, Georgia, I mean f f Florida, and had his last surgery, this was a, a, a University of Florida, Gainesville. And so you've got all these medical students that are studying there. And when the class was over, all of them came out with their mark of the beast. You know what it was? Cell phone. And as I watch people everywhere, we cannot do anything anymore without the new mark of the beast. I had a guy in Louisiana told me one time, he said, I said, do you own a cell phone? No. I said, why not? He said, I don't want to die with a cell phone stuck to my forehead. That's what he said. Literally, that's, that's what he said. He, well, You've you got to have a cell phone. And the apps have integrated all the information you need right there on that cell phone. Problem is, we have lost the art of relationships, communication, emojis, are how we express our emotions. We cannot name our emotions. And that's a loss. In order to heal when you've been hurt, you need to be able to name and say and cry out in a cathartic way your emotions. But these are curious people in our world who are wondering about Jesus. Then there are the cruel people in this world who don't even want to know Jesus. And he is perceived as their enemy. And that's the Herods of this world. And, and, and today, there are world powers, namely Russia, that's perched uh, on the border of Ukraine, ready to invade. Now, there was a period of time back in the 90s when there was an opening in Russia. And uh, the churches were allowed, the Baptist churches particularly, were allowed to worship freely. And Kentucky Baptist uh, took on a partnership with Russia, and uh, Linda and I got to go. And we talked to the pastors that had survived 70 years of per persecution, and the church met underground because they would not register with the state. And then that, that window of opportunity closed. Putin came into power, and it's worse now than, than ever. And he is flexing his power muscles and showing it right now on the borders of Ukraine. 
The other world power that's a threat to all of the world is uh, showing his muscles and ready to pounce on Taiwan. And he's the guy I told you about last Sunday who is the uh, secretary of the Communist Party in China. And China is on lockdown. Our missionaries are on lockdown. Christians are on lockdown. They cannot get internet access outside of China. And they're being monitored with cameras in every city, everywhere. And people are starting to tell on each other, uh, just like they did in Russia in the old days under socialism. But they are locked down under this emperor. Nobody moves. And he's, you know, when you meet the guy, he just looks so kind. He just looks so, looks such a nice guy. But people are being slaughtered every day and in jails every day. And if you're trying to worship Jesus Christ, it will cost you your life. Well, folks, that's the kind of world that King Jesus came into. And we think about him here in the cradle. Then there are the curious people. The people like Joseph that embraced the Christ child. And Joseph is a great hero that says nothing in the narrative. But uh, not only is he curious, but he has a great faith to trust God and to trust God's leading in the most uncertain times of Israel's history. One of the ways he displayed great courage was by not divorcing Mary, which he had the right to do under Jewish law. He displayed great courage traveling by foot and donkey from Bethlehem to Egypt, which is about 75 to 100 miles. 75 to 100 miles, rocky soil with the donkey and your wife and the king in the cradle. You thought you had to travel a long way for Christmas, huh? And in Bethlehem, population of about 1,000, uh, 20 to 25 families lost a son. And so he was led by the Lord and was courageous in preserving the life of the king in the cradle. So here's the king in the cradle in Bethlehem, and he's inviting the whole world to come and discover him. But you need to know that if you follow him, there's a price to be paid. Folks, you can have anything in the world you want, just about, but you can't have everything. And whatever you decide you want, there's a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid to follow Jesus. And for Joseph and Mary, they had to leave home. They had to flee to Egypt. And that leads me to the next section that I want to speak about today. King Jesus, the king in the cradle, is inviting us to follow him knowing that it's going to be trying times. Trials, difficulties, hardships. He is leading us in a relationship with him so that the day will come we will live with him in his holy heaven, but we're not there yet. We're still in the world that's a fallen world, a cruel world, a world of personal disasters, a, pers a world of natural disasters. And the tornadoes that come through, the, uh, the hurricanes that sweep through, uh, the fires that, that destroy homes, uh, these are all natural disasters. And yet, the king and the cradle is still with us. 
He hasn't left. He hasn't gone away. He hasn't abandoned us. He is in the midst of every loss that we experience. I want to talk about that. I know what it's like to lose a loved one at Christmas. My mom died in 1970. My wife and I lost both. Uh, she lost a parent. She lost her dad. And I lost a mom the first week before um, of de- 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 December. I know what it's like to be at home with just me and my dad. Me trying to go to school. Dad trying to work on the melt route. We're out in the woods, literally on dirt road. We live so far down the woods. We, I was the first kid to get on the bus and the last to get off the bus. And after Mom died that, that December, I decided I wanted to have a Christmas tree. How many of you ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas tree? We don't have a lot of fir trees like you have in Kentucky. I think they're just beautiful. I just want to go down and cut one on the way down to Doe Run down here, but it's probably legal, so I won't do it. But I had this little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It's about that tall, and the puniest little uh, pine limbs coming out. This is short-leaf pine, it's called. And um, I looked through the closet, and I could only find about two or three little Christmas balls like that. Couldn't even find the lights that, that we used to use. And I put that on there, and I set it up in the corner of our little house that we had, and Dad came home from work, and I thought he would just be so happy to see what I had done. Now remember, it's been a while since Mom died. And when Dad came in, that's the first time I saw him cry. We never said a word to each other. We did not know how to handle grief in our time. We never spoke Mama's name. We never said her name. That's the most unhealthy thing that you can do. Pastors used to talk about the stages of grief that people go through. We, we didn't know about those things when I grew up. Pastors talk about the first stage of grief. You, go, you just can't believe it. You're in denial. And then you feel isolated. And then the next stage you go through anger. And then the next stage you go through bargaining with God. And then the next stage you feel d- depressed. And then finally the last stage you're in acceptance and then you can move on. We're coming to learn now that grief is a process, more like a cycle. We hear today... Uh, researchers talking about a yearning and a searching during grieving times. A yearning to go back and yet a searching for a future. And I, I think they're on, on, uh, on target. And I know that Mary and Joseph went through the same yearning and searching as well. They fled from the Holy Land down to Egypt. But that was to fulfill a prophecy. And the prophecy was... God said, out of Egypt I've called my son. And so here they are in Egypt, and they're a long way from home. And I know their hearts yearn to go back to Israel, to go back to home, but they could not go. They had to deal with their losses, just like you and I have to deal with our losses as well. I see society grieving. I see our society yearning and searching for things that we've lost in our world. We've lost that touch. We've lost the ability to talk. We've lost the ability to share. And even churches grieve. Many and many and many of churches during COVID lost their ministries, lost, some lost their whole church, and now even in western Kentucky, the whole church building is gone. 
And a church like Ekron can also grieve what we have lost. And there can be a yearning and a searching, a yearning for going back. But like God was calling Mary and Joseph to go back to Israel in a dream, God is calling us to go forward too. Someone has said, look not to the past with nostalgia, nor to the future with fear. Let me say that again, because I don't think half of you heard me. Somebody has said, let us not look back to the past with not nostalgia, nor let us look to the future with fear. We don't have to fear the future, because God is in our future. Look not to the past with nostalgia. Let us not keep museums going. Nor look to the future with fear of the creative opportunities that God is going to give Akron Baptist Church. Don't, don't look to that with fear. But instead, trust God's hand to lead us forward just like he did Mary and Joseph. In fact, I want to talk about that a little bit. The way he led them is the same way he leads us. And it is the king in the cradle who became the crucified Christ and is raised from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He's not the king in the cradle anymore. He's the king of kings that's coming back again. And until he returns, he is with us in his Holy Spirit. And folks, it's the Holy Spirit of God that gives us courage to go forward. You remember the scriptures three times, three times Joseph was in, was at a crossroads. What to do, what to do, what to do. In Egypt, in, in, in a crossroads. In Bethlehem, at, at a crossroads. Going back to, to Israel, another crossroads. And all three times God spoke to him. And God guided him. And he did it through an angel. I believe in angels. I got one that's about nine months old in Hawaii. And she's got a little brother that's like a devil. He's almost five. <laughs> so I believe in devils and angels, you see. Some people say, I, I'm looking for a sign. Well, here's your sign right here. The king in the cradle. The king in the cradle is speaking to you and speaking to me right now. You don't have to wait for an angel to show up. You don't have to wait for a sign down the road to come along to hear God speak. You can hear God speak all the time. It is the Spirit of God that inspired the Word of God that speaks to the people of God. This is how God is speaking. Through His Word. The Bible says, test the spirits to see if they are of God. Isn't that right, Brother Bob? So don't be looking for an angel out there to say, I saw a red bird, so I heard God speak to me. God's speaking through his book, not the bird. And if you're waiting on the bird to speak to you, you're going to miss the book. You're going to miss sweet fellowship with the risen Jesus, who wants to come to you in your grief and your sorrow and your trying times and say to you, I'm going ahead of you. I am with you. I am beside you. I am all around you. Listen to me, and I will show you the way forward. And he'll give you courage. 
go forward. Courage to go forward. Courage to hope as well. Courage to believe that better days are coming. Courage to believe that it don't, won't always be like it is now. I like that passage in verse 19. And those of you that have a Bible, verse 19 just really blows my mind. Verse 19 says, But when Archelaus, but when Herod was dead. I love that passage of Scripture. When Herod was dead. Listen to that. When Herod was dead, God continued to work and lead. Earthly powers and earthly kings, uh, principalities and powers and evil of this world will not reign forever. Because like Herod, these powers have been conquered on the cross of Jesus Christ by His death and by His resurrection. I've come to learn that every time I deny myself and follow the king in the cradle, he's glorified and I am blessed beyond measure. If anyone will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come and follow me. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through, walk through. Not get stuck at, but walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have any fear, for thou art with me. And I shall dwell, he said, in the house of the Lord forever. In Revelation, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Would you stand? We're not going to sing it, but when I do like this, you say forever, forever, forever. Stand, please. Anytime Handel's Messiah is played, the congregation stands. Does anybody know why? Because that's what they did when they played it for the first time for the king, and he was so moved, he stood when Handel's Messiah was played. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth forever, forever, forever. Hallelujah. Now, that's a good rehearsal. Are you ready to do it? Let's go. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth loud. Hallelujah. You're doing good. And he shall reign forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever. Hallelujah. Forever. Amen. That's the king in the cradle. And we worship him. And we serve him. And he's calling us to go through this valley understanding that it's His Holy Spirit in us, comforting us, walking with us, never forsaking us, never abandoning, abandoning, abandoning us. And we are His forever and ever and ever. Bow your heads with me. We thank You, Lord, for Your love and Your mercy and Your goodness and that You guide us through Your Holy Spirit through trying times. We learn that you are always faithful. 
and you're always redeeming our broken world. I pray that this morning, if there's someone who needs to give their life to Jesus, that they will come and be seated on this pew so we can counsel and pray together. If there's someone who wants to unite with our church from a sister church, that they will come as well. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, Amen and Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.